If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. You know, obviously, it's a different, it's a different circumstance. It's different. Um, it's different. I mean, it, that's what 2020. You know, people have been asking me, like I said, people have been asking me how was the bubble, and I said it's 2020. You know, you know, everything is is different, and is uh, you have to be able to adjust to it. So um, I don't, I don't know as far as um, you know if it was like a home game at Staples Center. They won't have that feeling because our fans just give us so much energy. Our fans give us so much support, and we want to try to give that back to them on the floor. Um, but also at the same time, we know our fans back in L.A. and all over uh, California and over the world uh, want us to are looking forward to seeing us play again. So, you know, it's still our job to go out and perform because um, they're still supporting us uh, behind their you know phones or tablets or TVs or, you know, laptops or whatever the case may be. That is LeBron James as the NBA gets going here soon enough. We'll talk a little bit about it. Uh, kind of excited about the uh Relaunch of the NBA as well. Have they gotten it right the entire time? Uh, I do think they have one of the best uh, commissioner-player relationships there is in sports, if not the best. And so that's probably helped along the way. You might have heard the promo a couple minutes earlier. What are we breaking on Friday, 5 o'clock? Some breaking news. We're not allowed to say. Oh, the, what? Oh, I'm sorry. You didn't hear it? <laughs> yeah, did, did you miss that meeting? Can I get a memo? <laughs> I can send you an email. Yeah, yeah, I got you, man. No, big news coming out Friday, man. I'm excited. I told you, we've had some exciting things on the horizon. I don't think that would be the last of it uh, as well. So, uh, man, I've been in TV meetings and radio meetings and really for the better part of the last month. And I just fired up for it. You know, it can it can be not so good, especially during this time. But we've got some good things happening here at ESPN 690. The Action Sports Jacks brand in general uh, here on the radio side and on TV on CBS 47 and Fox 30 just got out of a TV meeting today. We're full steam ahead. We've slid a lot of the calendar when it comes to our TV shows around the football season. And we do a bunch of them. Uh, I like to say we do more local sports programming and TV than any other local affiliate in the in the country. Uh, I'm not sure if that's factual, but I play along with it anyway. Uh, so we are sliding a lot of the coverage, but it's not going away. We're going to have a ton of coverage for you all fall long on TV and right here on radio, 3 to 6 uh, daily. And some exciting news coming up on Friday as well. Uh, and hopefully to a, uh, um, a, a fan base that is hungry for it. Uh, let's just see that. Ooh, so, okay. Um, a fan base of ours, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, we were talking about Gardner Minshew. I, I, I know that sounds really dramatic, what I said before. But I, I thought you were going to cry for a second. Yeah, no, I'm well, kidding. What I said before is he could change the dynamic of the city if he's good. Yeah. I, and, and by the way, I mean good, like really good. Uh, and that's what you're after as a franchise quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I know what you're saying. I know what people are saying. They're like, yeah, what's chance? It didn't happen. It's Jacksonville. He's a six-round pick. He's undersized. He doesn't have a strong enough arm. All these things. Yeah, I get it. But there were a lot of things said about Russell Wilson. Patrick Mahomes wasn't a slam dunk guy in KC. Mm-hmm. It, and and you brought up a good point. Both of those situations, they were surrounded with with good people, good players. Mm-hmm. Can Minshew become this underdog story that? just lights a fire under the Jacksonville Jaguars franchise that if he is good has a ton of draft capital has a ton of draft space 
uh, at ca- uh, uh, cap space mm-hmm. and has some young, talented players that, yeah. that a lot of people would sign up for. I mean, they don't have enough of them, but they have some. Yeah. So, again, that and if it changes the dynamic of the Jags, which means wins football games and puts you on the map across the country the way they've been trying and trying and trying and failed – well, then it changes the whole dynamic of a city. And if you follow me along here, this is a city that's trying to change its dynamic anyway. Mm-hmm. So if you marry all that together, which is what I've said for a long, long time about the Patriots, the, the Patriots, what they got was a franchise that was newly owned by Robert Kraft back in the mid to, to late 90s, a stadium that was being built in the early 2000s, the luck of Tom Brady in the sixth round. The maturation of a coach in, in Bill Belichick into now a genius, mm-hmm. but all of that came together at the same time to create a dynasty and also Patriot place and really the armpit of Massachusetts or one of them in Foxborough becoming a destination. Yeah. Like I, I'd say that that's serious. Like that, no, yeah, I, I mean, live there, man. Like that's yeah. what it was and it changed. So I'm not trying to say if Gardner Minshew's good, the Jags are the next dynasty in the NFL. Stop the car on that. Mm-hmm. But if he's good and if he's this great underdog story and nobody knows it and people are sleeping on it, well, then you have all those things can go into place. And they happen pretty quickly yeah. because your football team won. It, it There are there are it's not just football. Sports can help change the dynamic of a city. Listen, if we we're going to write a novel or construct, you know, an epic movie featuring the protagonist, if you will, that is Gardner Minshew. Well, he has all the attributes of that, right? Because he has a great story. We all fall in love with his story. He's a very likable individual. Obviously, people gravitate towards him. And the biggest thing, and this is something that Russell Wilson never really had to do or Patrick Mahomes had to do, and this is why, to me, if Gardner Minshew goes out there and balls out this season, he's going to be special is because he has to overcome the adversity. Okay, once again, when Russ Wilson got to Seattle, you know what, man? You had Marshawn Lynch, you had a running game, you had one of the best defenses possibly of all time to have your back. Okay, that made things easier on you. If you're Patrick Mahomes, you have the brain of Andy Reid, you have Travis Kelsey, you have Tyreek Hill, you have quite possibly some of the most offensive playmakers, the biggest weapons of all time um, at your disposal. So, like... The adversity, like, yeah, of course you still have to go out there and perform. You still have to do your thing and don't take anything away from those guys for doing that. But my point is, if you look at what Gardner Minshew has right now in a season where, listen, if they don't win, you can see some giant changes. There's the ultimate adversity, right? And if Gardner Minshew can come through the smoke, come through the fog, and be the better guy than he was last year, well, then he's, he's got all three at his disposal. And then that puts you in the in, in the scene of, you know what? This guy is special, and he's going to be special for a long time in the city of Jacksonville. The, the one I, the one thing, again, we're, we're kind of dreaming here a little bit. But, again, this is the time to do it. I mean, you got one year for this guy. What player is going to change the franchise? What team is going to – we thought 17 might – we might be on the verge of that. It wasn't. Correct. It, it was a bad mix. Uh, there were bad moves made. And it wasn't. Well, and keep in mind with Bortles too. Like the the the, the city of Jacksonville loved Bortles. Absolutely, you know, just never got was, to the level he needed he to get. Pretty, to. He was a he was a favorite son for a while. You asked, what if, what if, what if, if Bortles was good? I don't even know if Bortles had to be great. I think this place loved Bortles if he could have played above average football, and you might have won a lot more games, and it really changed the dynamic, given that defense and other things. Mm-hmm. It was too much of a tug of war with him playing good enough football. You, that's why I bring up Russell Wilson a lot because 
I, one, it makes a little sense to my mind because he's undersized. Sure. And that was one of the, the knocks, obviously, against Minshew, too. Mm-hmm. He was not predicted to do any of this, any of this. They brought Matt Flynn in there, man. They did. They, they liked him as a third-round guy. They liked him more than other people. But, they were right about that. And, in yeah. a way, Kansas City is similar because mm-hmm. they went and got a guy that people were like, well, I'm not so sure about Patrick Mahomes. But. Yeah, but I, mean, I think even... Gardner Minshew is more of an anomaly than Russell Wilson was because like be. Russell Wilson, I mean, I'm saying though in college because at Wisconsin, like Russell Wilson for that year, at Wisconsin, player, yeah. I mean, he kind of turned their program around That's a little a bit, point. right? And he actually offered a little more dynamic in terms of passing the ball. I think the biggest knock though of Russell Wilson was he didn't look like your prototypical quarterback. Yeah, and that's why he fell so far in the draft. Well, and quite frankly, sometimes neither does Minshew. Sure. And he had a good college. Uh, people would say the same at Washington State. Correct. Problem is, it was at Washington State, mm-hmm. so you didn't see it. You know, every Saturday. Uh, And I guess the comp to Wilson is just something that's interesting because Seattle, I think before he got there, didn't they go to like the playoffs at seven and nine? Remember they were that that one time? That was the Sean Alexander year, I believe, right? Was it that far back? Uh, Maybe not. I think it was right before Wilson got there. They might have done it a couple of times. Yeah. But but it's Seattle. I mean, yeah, the Legion of Boom made Seattle, Seattle. Yeah. but Russell Wilson helped turn that franchise into a relevant franchise, a cool franchise. And I think that's why my comparison goes to him. By the way, rookie year uh, for Russell Wilson, 64% completion rate, 3,000 yards, 26 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Okay? Mm-hmm. What's that? Not, nothing eye-popping, yeah. but the team was built pretty good around him. So, I'm sorry, just to uh, disrupt you real quick. So, 2010, what that, the Seahawks went to the playoffs, and it was actually, um, that would have been Matt Hasselbeck at quarterback. Hasselbeck. Yeah. They were 7-9 and nine that year. Correct. What, does it say what they were in 11? Oh, no, I'm sorry. They weren't They were 7-9. and nine. They were, uh, now you put me on the spot here. Um, th- th- this was the season where they played the Titans. They beat them and they go to Green Bay. And Hasselbeck said that he was gonna. They're gonna win. Okay. So I don't think they were seven. Check what the Seahawks nine. were yeah, in 2011. Yep. I'm pretty sure uh, they were. But All anyway, right. year two for uh, Russell Wilson. You're right. Correct. S- seven to nine that year. Okay. That was before Wilson. Uh, before Russell Wilson arrived. Yep. Matt Hasselbeck was the quarterback. Okay. Okay. Uh, 33-57 in year two uh, for Russell Wilson. Same amount of touchdowns. One less interception. Again, he had a lot more around him, but it will be interesting to see if those are, like, modest numbers. Yeah. I mean, what will Minshew do in but, year two? But keep in mind, though, when Wilson got to Seattle, they, they never asked Wilson, hey, day one you have to go they out didn't. there. But let's be honest right now. If Garner Minshew doesn't make this offense go, you're not going to win a lot of games. It's a good point. I I, I, I think mean, because you, you don't have the defense. You, you don't. I mean, you have a, a pretty decent running game, but even the running game. I well, guess. yeah, but I would say this: they have a chance to. You can still lose football games, but look good on offense. I guess is my point. Sure. In, in that respect, they've got enough parts on offense that he can get help on offense. They might have an offensive line that's ready to be pretty decent. Mm-hmm. They've got a running back who's. Yeah, had numbers. Mm-hmm. They've got a Pro Bowl wide receiver. They actually had a Pro Bowl tight end. Again, I got a lot of stuff going to go right, but I'm just saying they don't. It's not like Mitchu's being asked to carry the defense as it's been rebuilt. He's being asked yeah. to lead an offense that actually has now been together for two years. Yeah, but let's be honest though. When Russell Wilson first got to Seattle, they're a run first team, run first and defense oriented. Correct. Game manage exactly. I think we would agree right now. The Jaguars this season, they're not going to be a run first. They are team. not going to be. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it, it's just 
it's interesting to kind of I, I guess it's a little bit of a wish uh, and dream right now for Jags fans. But hey, that's what you got. I mean, you're on the verge of a season mm-hmm. and everybody wants to look at Jags stink. They're so bad. They're going to win two games. They're going to tank for Trevor. I just don't understand why you can't at least talk about the other side of it. We've seen examples of it in sports. We've seen examples of it in the last decade in the NFL that mm-hmm. it can happen. And uh, Minshew certainly has enough bulletin board material to be inspired. Yeah. Uh, what we just don't know, because even collegiately, he had the good year with Leach, but a lot of guys have done well with Leach. You just don't know. He doesn't have enough of a resume to say, well, he's done it here, 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 here. Mm-hmm. We just don't know how good Minshew is, I guess is the point of my story. And you asked me something in the break. It's like, what does he have? To, even if he does well this year, will the national guys give him love for being a good quarterback? Mm-hmm. Or will they just fall in love with the hair and the aviator glasses and the bandana and the, and the shorts? Again, I actually believe that if he does do well, they will give him credit for doing well. Mm-hmm. It'll be two years of it. Mm-hmm. Last year was a bit sporadic, but hopefully this year would be more consistently. And... Yeah, you still got the fun of of sure. Minshew, but I think they'd acknowledge. Wait a minute now, yeah, this might be the best surprise in the NFL. Like I think he'll get that kind of talk nationally if he plays well in 2020, especially if he outperforms guys that are supposed to do well, Kyla Murray, maybe even a Daniel Jones, mm-hmm. those kind. Of, like I think the comparisons to the second year guys are critical for Minshew from a national respect standpoint. Not that he cares about it, but mm-hmm. the national respect standpoint. If he can continue to outperform numbers-wise and wins-wise, Kyler Murray, well, how don't you give the guy respect? Sure. No, no, I, I mean, and to me, it is Kyler Murray. Because Kyler Murray right now, he's been the guy that everyone's talking yeah. about. You know, like, Daniel Jones is out there a little bit. I mean, let's be honest here. In terms of this up-and-coming season, Brent, like, what – like, who do you think is ready to take that? I mean, we, we know with people about Garner Minshew. We've talked about him a lot. But, like, obviously Kyle Murray probably going to take the next step. I mean, everyone's talking like he's going to take the next step. We'll see. But, like, what do you think about Daniel Jones? What do you think about Dwayne Haskins? What do you think about uh, Drew Locke right now? I mean, where do, you, where do you see those guys going, Brent? Well, you know me. I think Daniel Jones is going to be a pretty good quarterback in the league. I think yeah. he could be the best of the bunch, right, quite frankly. Yep. Uh I, I don't. I have not seen enough of Drew Locke. I understand he's surrounded by. They've put some stuff around him. Sure. I just a four game sample isn't enough for me to even have a, a really a good educated mm-hmm. uh, decision. Uh, and quite frankly, Elway's been miserable at the quarterback spot, other than Peyton. Mm-hmm. Uh, he hasn't been good at it. Yeah. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I think Murray's overhyped. I, I believe that. I think yeah. Haskins is pie in the sky. I really do. Like, I, I legit have way more confidence that Minshew's going to be a better quarterback mm-hmm. this year than, than Haskins and potentially for his career. Like, mm-hmm. Haskins got to take some big steps in my book to, to put him on the map of those other guys, Murray, even Minshew, Jones, and maybe even Locke. No, absolutely. I, I get you made the argument for Haskins. Well, who does he have around him? The guy needs help. Okay. But for as high as you were taken in the first round, if you're a first-round quarterback and you're expected to play right away, there's there's a a sense of feeling that, listen, we get right now, we don't have a lot of guys around you, 
but you still have to go out there and do your thing. You know, you still have to go out there and try to win his football games. And obviously Haskins didn't really do that last year. I think like right now with Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, I mean, yeah, if A.J. Green can be healthy, you got Mixon. So you have a couple weapons from that standpoint. But I think there's a feeling right now where like Joe Burrow's going to come in right away and do his thing, right? Like I think there's people that are super optimistic that's like, yeah, Joe Burrow, we can't wait to watch him play for the Bengals. I think with Haskins right now, in terms of if you're a Redskins fan, and I don't necessarily have my finger quite on the pulse, uh, you know, I said the Redskins, but obviously the Washington football team now, um, I don't know if there's a lot of optimism this year for Dwayne Haskins. I don't know if people are lining up in the streets saying, all right, Dwayne, let's see what you got, man. I think people um, are kind of off that bandwagon. Now, I might be wrong. I think it's just kind of what it is, is what it is right there. But Drew Locke, obviously, Drew Locke to me is it's the ultimate Russell Wilson effect where – Yes, John Elway has done a horrible job with quarterbacks in Denver Broncos. And maybe one can say you kind of lucked into Peyton Manning. Oh, wait, you go get a, a former Super Bowl champion named Peyton Manning and bring him on your team? Wow, way to go out on a limb and you know do what's best for the city of Denver. But of course you're going to do that. And you know what? It panned out for him, so props to him for doing that. But every other quarterback decision has been miserable. I'm not going to lie, though. I like what they're doing this year, Brent. I like the fact that... They feel like they can have they can't have too many weapons on offense. You know, you bring in uh, Judy, right, the guy from Alabama. Yep, now you yep. got Noah Fant um, from last year. You know, how I feel about him. So I do like Drew Locke. Just his situation might be the most ideal. To I mean, Kyler Murray's up there too. But listen, if you're Drew Locke right now, there's no excuses for you. No. I mean, you better be licking your chops and better ready to perform because if you can't win with that kind of offense, those kind of receivers, that tight end, that running game, well then, man, maybe you know the starting quarterback position of the Denver Broncos just isn't for you. One more thought, though. You know, you said, and I agree with you on that. Yeah. I kind of feel like that with Kyler Murray too. I mean, okay, year two of system. You know, you got DeAndre Hopkins along the way. You got sure. Larry Fitzgerald. You, you, Kingsbury's supposed to be the guy. Mm-hmm. All this stuff, and so you know, I, I, Daniel Jones has Saquon Barkley, but it feels like they're still rebound. Rebuilding a little bit there, and they need more. I will say this: quarterbacks in Jacksonville have been put in a worse situation than Gardner Minshew. He's got a Pro Bowl wide receiver. He's got a guy that a lot of people would take in D.D. Westbrook. Chris Conley's been getting the job done as a third receiver in the NFL for a handful of years. Mm-hmm. He's got a Pro Bowl tight end. I, get, I know he's going to say healthy. I get it. I get there's it. But he's got a, they brought a caveat in a, to that. They though. brought in a Pro Bowl tight end. They've got an offensive line that played together all last year. You're not looking at rookies. You're not looking at – now there's question marks, but – you have Fournette, who's now going into a contract year, a very important year for him. They brought in a third bat down uh, receiver mm-hmm. uh, and or a running back in Chris Thompson. And they bring in a guy in Jay Gruden that has done it before and has history of doing well in this position as offensive coordinator. Now, I get it. The pandemic, there's been issues, there's been hurdles. But I'm just t- telling you, of the of the quarterbacks that have been put in a situation to be successful – since I've been here in Jacksonville, heck, this might be the best one. Minshew might be in the best shape of of even when I first uh, say your 2010 year with the receiving core that Garrard was throwing to, yeah. or Gabbert yeah. who was he Thomas, was surrounded Mike by. Sims, uh, Mike Sims Walker though is yeah. Okay, but I hear you well, would you rather DJ Chark no, or Mike I, Sims Walker? I, got, I mean, obviously, and and yeah. so. And and then Bortles too. I mean, was sure. Bortles ever surrounded by? Well, uh, Allen Robinson, Allen Hearns. Now that that's was a good debatable. Combination. Debatable. Mm-hmm. So. And and I thought Hackett for a bit did a good job. Uh, so anyway, I think he's surround. I think it's fair to make the case. Mm-hmm. While you say there's no excuses for Drew Locke, mm-hmm. might not be too many for Gardner Minshew. He should be able to, if he's good, 
he should be able to do some decent things with this offense. Here's the biggest, well, one of the biggest factors, though, Brent, that we haven't really touched on quite yet. You talk about Russell Wilson, obviously a big guy in Seattle. Now. You, talk, you talked about Peyton Manning, big guy in Indianapolis. And you talk about Patrick Mahomes right now, probably the face of the NFL. One thing that they all have in common, yes, they came into great situations, don't get me wrong, but they also had the head coach to cultivate that relationship, right? Like you get the sense that Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, they're on the same wavelength. Now, maybe the personality is a little different. Pete Carroll is kind of a, you know, he's a crazy guy, but they get along. Obviously, Andy Reid is a quarterback whisperer. He's been that his entire career, whether it's in Philly or it's in Kansas City now. I think Tony Dungy and Peyton Manning, I think there was a great relationship there, okay? It begs the question. Doug Marone. Jay and I think you know I think Jay Gruden would work, but uh, from a head coaching standpoint, and maybe from a Jay Gruden standpoint, do they have the chemistry? Do they have the personality to make this thing work? Because that that's that's a big part of it too. Yeah, and or are they good enough? Let's just I mean the yeah. elf in the room. Are they good enough? Is Doug sure. Marone a good enough head coach? Yeah. Is is Jay Gruden good enough? Yeah. Uh, that's been that's curious. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I think you hope. Mm-hmm. They have to figure it out. I mean, this is for, it's the time for everybody to figure out. Now, I will say this again: if you look back at the see some of the Bortles things again, Bortles was Bortles, but the Jed Fish thing never worked out. Sure. Then they got Greg Olson, who was Olson. He, he was like the the last of the the picks because of the situation. Everybody thought Gus was going to get fired the next year. Uh, Hackett and his relationship was strong. Depends how you feel about Hackett, but that's when they enjoyed their best year in 17. So I thought it was actually pretty good. The yin and yang, the relationship was good, and it showed on the field. It was their best year. I like the Minshew Gruden stuff. Again, I don't know Jay Gruden well enough. Mm -hmm. I just feel like Jay Gruden, Minshew, really going to work, really going to click. And I don't know if that's more important than even Marone or not. But I really feel like that X factor. That's one of the reasons I like them to be better than people think is because I think the the, the chemistry of those two guys mm-hmm. I think is going to be good. I could be totally reading it wrong. We have no idea. Like I, I have nothing to to go on. I just it, it's a feeling that I uh, I think that's a good matchup. Those two guys. I get what you're saying there. All I'm gonna say though, and I'll repeat myself here a little bit, but like. When Peyton Manning went to Indianapolis, you had a great feeling about Tony Dungy, right? Like, you, you figured eventually, you know, Tony Dungy's a great guy. You think eventually he's going to find some success. And obviously, Peyton Manning came there, and they found some success, right? I mean, they won a Super Bowl, so there you go. Um, I think when Russell Wilson went to Seattle, keep in mind, Seattle went to the playoffs before Wilson got there. Pete Carroll, I think people are still kind of embracing him a little bit. He was so different, kind of like maybe like a Kingsbury is now, right, where he kind of did things his own way. But I... I get the feeling that when Russell Wilson went to Seattle, it was like, you know what, Pete Carroll, it's going to work out. Like, Pete Carroll kind of knows what he's doing, and he's got a pretty good pulse of what that team's going to be. And then obviously with, with Andy Reid, I mean, Andy Reid at the Super Bowl, when I interviewed him, he said that he knew right away Patrick Mahomes was the guy. Yeah, yeah. Right, so you had pretty good confidence that if you're a Patrick Mahomes fan out of Texas Tech and you've been following him, like, hey, when he goes to Kansas City, Reid's going to take care of him, and they're going to have that symbiotic relationship. I'm not sure if I can say the same, and I probably can't say the same right now for Gardner Minshew and Doug Moreau. Now, keep in mind, different circumstances, I get that, but I can't say the same right now for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I think that's fair. I'm going to give you a different example. You get you named, like, elite guys, okay? And well, let's, let's, I, I named the three guys that we talked that about that will change the city. Yeah. Well, you're right. And and that is the elite, that is the, the dream, the pie in the sky of it. Let me give you one notch down okay. that everybody would sign up for. 
Doug Peterson, Carson Wentz. Don't you get the idea that that's a good relationship, mm-hmm. right? That yeah. that's, even though Wentz hasn't taken off to the like that people think he is, mm-hmm. don't you just get the idea from the outside looking in that those guys are on the same page? That's a good – the character is, is kind of aligned, you know? Yeah. It's just a good fit. There's a swagger about Peterson, a little quiet swagger about, yeah. about Wentz. And that's, I guess, my point. If Gruden or Marone can be sure. that with Minshew mm-hmm. – well, then I think you got a chance, and maybe it's not to be Wilson Carroll or Reed Mahomes, although mm-hmm. that'd be the hope. But even if you, you'd settle for Wentz and Peterson, well, and is my listen, point. and absolutely, you would absolutely take that every single day, especially twice on Sundays in terms of Wentz and Peterson. I think if Wentz has stayed healthy throughout his whole career, maybe we're talking about Carson Wentz being maybe a face of the NFL, right? I mean, injuries have been his biggest, um, you know, downside downfall right now for Carson Wentz. And yeah, to be fair, I think him and and Peterson they do have that relationship. But keep in mind, Peterson, former quarterback, understands the position in and out. Doug Peterson comes from an Andy Reid philosophy, right? Spent some time with Andy Reid. He knows how to deal with the quarterback. So I agree with you here, and I think any Jaguars fan would take that Doug Peterson, Carson Wentz relationship, a la Doug Marone or Jay Gruden, Gardner Minshew. Well, that's a lot of Minshew talk. Uh, finally, we get some Minshew. We had been wow, a while, man. man. Yeah. Been a while. Been a little bit. How excited are you today? I'm pretty fired up. Yeah, I did not plan on going from Patrick Mahomes to Peyton Manning, Russell Wilson, LeBron James, (laughs) Derek Jeter to Minshew. Yeah. And we got there. But here we are. Ten degrees of Gardner Minshew. Minshew, by the way, will uh, speak to the media early next week. Uh, Doug Marone will speak to the media tomorrow. We'll get a chance to talk to some of the rookies. So it's happening. Yeah. We don't see him on the field, but it's happening. Uh, Something else is happening. Players are opting out the NFL. And when we come back on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690, one player has just decided to opt out of college football. Who is it? For what program? And are there more to come? The latest list of opt-outs. Coming up next, we're all in on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. I hate to make determinations on that because there are people who are involved with the teams who are putting a lot of work and a lot of consideration in. It might be that they have to go in a bubble, but I think they're conscientious enough and want to protect their players and protect the personnel that they will do the right thing. Dr. Anthony Fauci uh, talking, I think uh, that was on Good Morning America, I think it was, about a potential bubble in other sports. You know, the bubble life has been good, NBA. NHL, MLS, they had some early problems, but they're fine. Who am I missing? I think there's one more. Mm. I don't know who else. Maybe, well, maybe that, not. I mean, to Is the NBA it? or to the uh, NBA stand, stand of it, they just announced that they had zero positive yeah. tests today. Well, that's what I said. NBA, NHL, zero. Uh, MLB obviously is traveling. Football and college football are trying to figure it out. Now, what the NFL is basically saying and, and what college football will say is we're building our own bubbles, but you still travel. And so how much does the travel impact? Uh, I will say this. Golf, not a contact sport, of course. Mm-hmm. They've traveled around and they've had some tests, but not a rampant run kind of like the Marlins had. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Marlins, the more and more you look at it, if you read the reports and you believe the reports and all those things are true – was just bad decision making. It's like if you're going to buy into the bubble, if you're going to sign up for this, you got to be all in. You can't be going out. Yeah. 
because you might have it and you might not know it. And before you know it, you've given it to everybody in the clubhouse. Exactly. Even if you wore a mask going into the building. Yeah. So the, it, basically the Marlins screwed it up mm-hmm. uh, is, is what it sounds like, you know. But I, I thought about this. Could we thank the Marlins in the long run? Okay, go on. And, and, and what I mean by that is, could you, did we raise the red, did the Marlins help raise the red flag Okay. for other Major League Baseball teams that were in the bubble and be like, shoot, man, we better, if we're going to do this, we better be on our P's and Q's. Did they, did they open the eyes of some in college football, in the NFL, that maybe there's a tweak here or there, maybe it doesn't even make it public, that allows for things to go more smooth for those sports in the fall. Meaning the lessons learned from the Miami Marlins over the last week, Mm -hmm. if they really are lessons learned that can be learned, Mm -hmm. did they help save sports in 2020 in the oddest of ways? A la kind of like a Rudy Gobert where they, you know, I mean, he was kind of the first and all of a sudden people started following suit. I see what you're saying there. And... Listen, I mean, let's let's get into the quick ego and let's get into the mindset of professional athletes, right? Where you don't have to be a scientist. You don't even really have to be the, the person of highest intelligence to realize, like, listen, if you stay out of the public and if you stay to your own devices and quarantine yourself and things like that, you're probably not going to come down with COVID-19. Like, th- there's a reason why there's countries right now in Europe that have been in lockdown for a couple months that are completely fine now. Right. And we have our country where it's like, you know what? We have some hot spots everywhere, you know, kind of sprinkled down and everything like that. And people are still getting it. Well, because people are going out. And then that's just that's the way it works. And players should have known that by now. But if this is what it takes, if you literally need the optics of a whole team essentially coming down with COVID-19 like the Miami Marlins to make you realize, you know what? Let's not go out to that club. Let's not go get those hot wings at that strip club or the gentleman's club, let's call it today, because you know what? There's a risk of getting sick. Then let's not go out then. If this is what it takes, then so be it. It wasn't for nothing. But to me, come on, man. We're not talking about high school kids here. We're not talking about college kids. We're talking about grown individuals. Like, you should know better already. Yeah, I, yeah, you should, but this is unprecedented well, times, well, and, and we we all fall into that trap. Uh, listen, we can all sit here and say, I, I told you not to do that. Yeah. Listen, people do things, okay? Uh, and to have every, 100% compliance is, is foolish to think of. It's impossible to ask. So I just wonder, because, like, let's just say the Marlins had – Four guys. I think I was coming out of the weekend. It was four people test positive. That was the word, and they ended up playing that game. Remember, yep. people are like, "Well, maybe they shouldn't even have played." Well, if they just had four, would it have alerted us to this point? Would they have canceled the game? Would the Nationals have said, "We ain't going down there"? Would the Phillies have now said, "We ain't playing until Saturday"? Would they have re-ramped the schedule for the Yankees and and the Orioles? My guess is no, because some people said, oh, four people, that's an outbreak. Like, for, well, it might be a technical term and a clinical term that that's an outbreak. But if four people have something, I don't look at it as an outbreak. Yeah. Like, I don't. I mean, again, I'm, I'm probably wrong, but I don't look at it as an outbreak. It's still going to raise suspicion, though. 18 people? Yeah. 
Well, now, now that catches my attention. This is this is full on World War Z type of movie style where it's like, yeah, that, shut them down. That catches my attention. Yeah. And so they caught the attention of the sports world. You know, people were doing articles asking NFL teams about it. They're asking colleges about it. What do you think about when the college football? What are you going to do? High schools are now taking. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> no. Everybody looked at the Miami Marlins and said, first of all, can we do this? Mm-hmm. And secondly, okay, what do we have to do to avoid that? Mm-hmm. And I'm just saying it, it's an interesting dynamic because it looks like a lot of MLB teams are following all the protocols, are testing negative. And so if that continues, maybe the MLB model isn't as wrong as it looked like on Monday. Yeah, Maybe it was just an outlier of the Marlins. Kind of going outside the, their own little bubble and doing something they shouldn't have done. No, I agree. And listen, in a perfect world, you like to think professional athletes can be smart enough to think, you know what, let's not go out. Let's not fly to Atlanta. Let's not go out because COVID-19 is prevalent and we don't want to get it. That's a perfect world. But I'm also a realist and that's not how it works. Sometimes, regardless of all the warnings, regardless of all the data or whatever the people are saying on social media, regardless of all of that, sometimes you need it to hit close to home in order to actually open your eyes and be like, okay, we better lock this stuff down. And hitting close to home could be witnessing your peers, witnessing an opposing team obviously come down with COVID-19. And now it's like, well, that can't happen to us. That can't happen to our team. So that hit, I mean, that's the close. I mean, obviously if families get affected too, that hits close to home. But I'm just saying in terms of your peers getting it, well, yeah, now eyes are obviously open and players better take note. And it, it, listen, if they don't take note from the Miami Marlins with that, what more do you need? Okay. And like, if, if literally you're a baseball team right now and you're on the road and you, you look what happened to the Miami Marlins and you go, you know what? That's not going to happen to us though. We're in a different city. It's going to be all good, man. If you have that kind of mentality, then maybe we shouldn't be playing professional sports in the first place. Breaking news out of the ACC. The schedule is out. The model is out. Let's get it. Let's in get it. college football. Everybody be cool. Let's go. What do we got, Brent? I'm trying to now <laughs> decipher it. <laughs> Breaking news. I don't have it. Breaking uh, news. We'll get into it later. Here's the deal. They've come up with a model. They're calling it an ACC model. Oh, I'm seeing some interesting things here. And it starts on September 7th, the weeks of September 7th through early December. There's two dates listed as a possible ACC championship. And this looks like a 10-game schedule with a plus one and the Notre Dame Fighting Irish part of the ACC, which was rumored. Yeah. And let's just take it close to home. Because let's look at uh, I can't find it uh, the Florida State Seminoles and Miami and their schedules. But let's go to the uh, uh, Florida State Seminoles first because well, so that's gonna... what's different. Their schedule is totally changed. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't say totally changed. The schedule is a lot different and. Stewart actually, I think, just tweeted this on Action Sports Jackson. He made it made make so much sense. So I'm going to read it off this. The Knowles will have home games now. You ready, Florida State fans? Knowles will have home games against Clemson, Georgia Tech, which is new. That wasn't on the original schedule. North Carolina, that is new. Wasn't on the original schedule. Pitt, Virginia. Virginia is new. So three of the new, there's new home games. Mm-hmm. For the ACC. 
Away games at Duke, that's new. Louisville, Miami, NC State, and how about this new one? In South Bend against Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. So that's a new game added to the 2020 schedule. Wow. Yep. What a good one. Yep. So and keep in mind, so they're still playing one non-conference game as well. And it's a 10 plus one, and you'd assume the one is against the Gators, mm-hmm. right? In terms uh, of traveling it, and everything. Well, yeah. And yeah. The, the idea was to keep the rivalries intact. Mm-hmm. So where we thought maybe conference only and potentially a plus one, there were formulas for an eight-game season plus one or an eight-game season plus two. This is a 10-game season plus one. Yeah. And as we, I mean, look at what I had to try to dissect, by the way. Hey. Whoa. Hey, Brent, all you had to do was just go to your Twitter page and it's. I said oh. Stuart oh, yeah. did that. Oh, I know. Okay, I got but you. I got first, you. I was oh, looking at this. To, okay. I thought you dissected it from that. I'm like, that how did you manage that? that? This is the model they put out. Yeah, literally, I was just looking like, at what? that. I'm like, dude, I'm doing I a got crossword nothing. puzzle? What I mean, are you doing I was like, here? oh my gosh. What ACC. are we going to do? We're supposed to trust you with COVID-19 when we can't even make an announcement over the schedule properly? Give me a break here. Okay, so... How complicated does that schedule look? That looks really complicated. Yeah. Uh, the hurricane schedule, by the way, home games. Florida State, Georgia Tech, North Carolina, Pitt, Virginia. I don't know which ones are new because I don't have their old schedule in front of me. Uh, so you'll know this, Canes fans. Uh, away games, Clemson, Louisville, Wake Forest, Virginia Tech, and NC State... They don't have Notre Dame on their schedule. Mm. Uh, no Miami, Notre Dame. But Notre Dame is a part of this now, and they are in the ACC for 2020. It's huge, man. They're, they're about to be like that new kid that goes to school that nobody likes. And, and now, how about this, too? This is in, you, know, you asked a question earlier, I think it was Kuz, about Major League Baseball and winning percentage. Well, on this colorful calendar, it says the ACC championship game will be played in Charlotte, North Carolina. Top two teams based on conference game winning percentage. So top two teams based on conference game winning percentage. It says one division. So, and it also says 12th or the 19th. They haven't even really finalized the date. They're going to keep it flexible, I would assume, in case they got to slide the whole calendar back. So a bunch of adjustments to the ACC schedule. And they're doing it on conference game winning percentage, and they're doing that, I would assume, because what if one team has to play eight games and one team has to play ten games? What if there's an outbreak here or there or they can't travel here or there? Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. all those different ramifications. So they're doing winning percentage and uh, just uh, within the conference because that would eliminate then like Florida, the, the Florida game. Uh, or if you don't play the plus one game uh, against a rival or anybody else. So there it is, the ACC coming out with some breaking news in the last uh, 10 minutes. And it will begin the week of September 7th. And all of a sudden, it looks like we have college football. Yeah. Other notes about the ACC. 10 plus 1, 10 conference games, 1 non-conference. Told you about that. All non-conference game opponents selected by the respective school must be played in the home state of the ACC institution. And all non-conference opponents must meet the medical protocol requirements as agreed upon by the ACC. Interesting. Now, you're not going to have a problem with that, right? Georgia Tech, Georgia. Florida, Florida State. 
mm-hmm. Clemson, South Carolina. You're in your home state, yeah. right? But you got to be in the home state of the ACC team, it says. The 11 games will be played over at least 13 weeks, with each team having two open dates. There will be one division. It's like the pennant race in baseball used to be. Notre Dame will also play a 10-game conference schedule, be eligible to compete in the 2020 ACC football championship game. All television revenue for the 2020 season, including Notre Dame's home games broadcast by NBC, will be shared equally by all 15 institutions. A big boon for some in the ACC. Yeah. NBC's uh, Notre Dame, Notre Dame bucks go into some in the ACC. I bet that was a hang-up. Right. <laughs> the ACC football championship game will be played on either December 12th or 19th at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. will feature the top two teams based upon highest conference game winning percentage. Again, you can beat Clemson and lose South Carolina. You can beat Georgia Tech, lose to Georgia. That game basically gets thrown out mm-hmm. uh, for the ACC championship. Now, it might not for the national championship picture. We'll see what happens down the road and all of that. All 15 teams will continue to be a part of the ACC's bowl selection process. Should Notre Dame win the ACC football championship game, they would be eligible for the Orange Bowl if not selected as a college football playoff semifinal team. The 2020 ACC football week-by-week schedule and television selections will be released in the future. Huge news out of the ACC that if public health guidelines allow all fall sports, including football, will begin competition during the week of September 7th. So this is not just football-related. This is all sports-related in the fall. The ACC making a decision. And right now, 4.52 on a Wednesday in late July, we have at least some semblance of a college football season. I like it, man. Optimism, Brent. That's what we need right now. Even though it was super hard to read, ACC, step your games up a little bit. It was colorful. And I'm not a... Not necessarily the biggest fan of Notre Dame going to the ACC. Now, I, I get it. And obviously, from a money standpoint, it's going to drive up ratings, going to drive up advertising, all that stuff. So props to the ACC. But to me, the ACC had a chance to be like that, that movie Mean Girls where it's like, no, you can't come sit with us, Notre Dame. You're on your own. And they invited their doors open for Notre Dame. So I'm a little bummed about that. But obviously. But they're bringing money op- to the bank. They're, they're, they're bringing money to the lunch table, and you can't deny that. By the way, I, I teased something in the last segment, didn't get to, and it actually has to do with an ACC team and a college football player opting yeah. out. What's the latest on opt-outs? We'll have that. We'll also have more details from this breaking news from the ACC. We got ourselves a college football season for now. More to come on ESPN 690 next. They fight in the swamp and face the eye of the storm. And next... They're coming to ESPN 690. Listen to Action Sports Jacks Friday at 5 p.m. for a major announcement. This is ESPN 690, Jacksonville's home for ESPN and the... This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.